Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month and you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away. All for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Hello there, big interview listeners. David Priest is a football analyst who forces you to think different thoughts about the game we all love. Through his journalism and broadcasting, he's carved out a really impressive niche as an expert and an articulate expert on the art of goalkeeping. The analysis of that position has tended to be a cliché minefield, scattered with lazy reflections on how goalkeepers are all mad and how they should never be beaten at the near post. David has taken the debate to a new level. Plus, he's a dandy and extremely funny. So we simply had to have him on the big interview. Enjoy David Priest in Talk Sports Studios. A very funny, very bright man who's going places. Probably his top corner for a fingertip save. This is a first. We're sitting in um, Hatfields in London in the Talk Sports studios, which looked beautiful, but it's an extra privilege because we've got a mighty dandy in front of us on the big interview. David Priest is here. Fun aside, every interview in the big interview, David, is because I or the guys behind it admire somebody and um, you stand out. Really good career. Everybody yearns um, to played nearly 300 or maybe even over 300 top flight games which you did and when you hear you talking about having retired and the ache and, and how to cope with that and how mm. difficult that is I think everybody who loves the game and imagines as you go to sleep that you were a top pro or you imagine the goals you'd have scored the saves you'd have made giving up and something like that and anybody who plays social football pub football amateur football knows the dressing room the crack the fun group mentality you miss all that but before we talk about your career, you've become an outstanding journalist, an outstanding communicator. 
Where the bloody hell has that come from in your life? Well, I don't like to call myself a journalist because I, I don't really... It's not that I don't want to be a journalist or be called a journalist, but it's just the fact that I must just see myself as a writer because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out and getting stories and you know, I don't know whether that excludes me from, uh, from being but You are. I insist. You're a really good communicator. So, like, when you turn a phrase in your column or analytical pieces, you bring in uh, knowledge, wit, brilliant anecdotes. Your use of language is fabulous. And I'm just, I just like communicators, full stop. So, you know, where did that skill come from? Did you always know you had it? Is there any correlation with what you, how you communicate in your six-yard box to how you get a phrase or an idea over in a column, let's say, for Mundial or for Sunderland Echo, whatever you want to call it? Well, I probably think my language is a bit more robust in the, in the six-yard box than it is... Uh, you can repeat that here, it's a yeah. safe environment. But it, it, it's, um, it, it came from, uh, from a very early age... I, I always had a problem uh, sleeping, and I used to wake up in the middle of the night, or even not even get to sleep, and I'd just be sitting around, just looking at the ceiling. And then, when I got, uh, it must have been around 1982, my auntie uh, came back from Spain after the World Cup. England's World Cup mascot was a little bulldog. She came back with a little uh, radio. So when I went to bed, I used to switch that on, and it, it can't, it can't have been late at night at that time. Because I mean, I was only about. But it's, a, Six it's, years it's, a, it's an England World Cup mascot yeah. bulldog radio. Yeah, from Spain. That would go for a pretty penny now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty cool, even for a Scot. I'm saying that's cool. Do you know what? That, that'll be up, it'll be in the loft at my, my parents' house. Come um, on. We'll, was, we'll have a, in due course, we'll have a picture of that on Twitter, if you can find we'll, it. We'll have a rummage. Yeah, so like I just, uh, I'd go to bed and I couldn't sleep, and then I'd put the radio on, and... One of my biggest memories of that time was uh, Nicholas Parsons on the radio. I can't remember, uh, what's the name of it? Just a minute. Just a minute, yeah. So, like, this is pretty, I mean, I don't know if it was repeated late at night or... Uh, unless this was Sale of the Century. No, no, to radio it was, and no. <laughs> The Quiz of the Week from <laughs> Anglia Television. It probably was Radio 4 rather than <laughs> yeah. Sale of the Century. So then I'd, uh, I'd sit and listen to that and li- listen to maybe it's like Radio Luxembourg or something like that. And... Oh, stop the interview now. I adore you even more. Emperor Roscoe and like it feeding in and out with a little earplug in here and you're like and he's going to play something beautiful on the radio great because I mean we live right next to the sea in Sunderland and it, it almost felt like um, yeah it, I felt like it was the only place that you, you'd get this uh, the radio station from so I felt like it's an exclusive them and you and nobody else in the yeah, world exactly, yeah brilliant so, so then and then it got to a stage when I still couldn't sleep and then I remember being really young and, and reading Reader's Digest mm-hmm. but I just get Reader's Digest every month and I'm sitting reading it and I, I can't be much older than when, that time I had the radio I remember reading something about um, it was just about people who didn't sleep and what they did to try to do to sleep and one of them was to, to write your thoughts down before you went to sleep so I, like, I'd sit with a torch radio and like a little pad or something like that and then I'd just sit and write and then I'd it, that sort of developed into, into poetry but my poetry career didn't last very long what would come out in the thoughts? It, it was actually how, just how I was feeling mm-hmm. at the time. And it was... Because I couldn't sleep and I wanted to sleep, it was mostly uh, things I was fearful of, things that might happen. Uh, and then I used to... And then, this, is, this is more like a therapy session than a, a football interview. But it's, and then I started having these um, recurring dreams. So the only way to describe it is... I dream about swimming out to sea with my sister and my, my father, not my mother. 
and then we'd get to a place that was... Can you remember uh, Superman's home? Oh, it's not his home, but it's like a base, like a glacial. Yeah, I'm, like I know Arctic what base. you mean. I know what you mean. So yeah. it's all like glacial. So you, you, we'd, yes. we'd get out the water there and then spend a bit of time there and then we'd have to swim back. And then on the way back, there was always an anxiety about getting, making sure that we got home because I don't know whether we were against the tide or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, but I, that was a dream that was sort of... I had a lot over a course of about five or six years. So then I used to... Every time you wrote about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd write it, and every time there was always something else, so I'd add to it. And, and these books will still be somewhere as well. Mm. It's just more like diaries than mm. anything else. And then I remember years ago, I'd come across them again, and most of them were just fantasy. It was just like a, mm. a seven, eight-year-old boy just making things up. And, it, and I remember writing something about that I'd moved house and it down this different road where we used to live, and none of it happened. You know what mm. I mean? So it was just, I don't know. It was anxiety, I suppose. If you look back knowing now what you know about the human psyche, it was anxiety. Oh, of course, yeah. I think a lot of that's, um, without going too much into it, it was, uh, you know, things that happened in my childhood and being away from parents. You know, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, sort of early early in my years, so it's, I don't know whether it comes from that. I mean, I'm interested in the the process helped. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then that turned into, turned into diaries as mm-hmm. I got older, as I got mm-hmm. sort of like 10, 11, and, and then that just went on. Then I, I, when I got to about 14, I got an English teacher called Mr. Basham. I really, really took a shine to him. I read quite a bit up until that point, but after I'd started being taught by him, then I just, I was... Something he communicated inspired you about language or reading? Best, best thing that ever happened, in that respect, best thing that ever happened to me. Simply because every book that we studied, I could tell you it inside out. We, we covered it sort of forensically, and it was like, uh, we, we did To Kill a Mockingbird, um, Merchant of Venice, and those two books is, I'm obsessed with now. Seriously, still? Yeah. And anything connected with them. So the Merchant of Venice is it, it, quite heavy language, quite heavy concepts yeah, for somebody yeah. of even you're 13, 14, 14. I don't know when we're talking. Of 14. No, yeah, we, we, we must be fifteen because we were uh, we were studying for GCSE. Yeah, it was it's pretty heavy stuff, but obviously it's um, it's educational more in in terms of the than just the text. I just grew to love it. I think it was uh, the Al Pacino version when when he played Shylock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, is it something that I've always went back to? I'll, I'll always go and. Go and go and see if it's if it's on somewhere. Seeking what in the text or in the in the messages? Um, nothing really. I mean, it, it, well, I say nothing. It is. It, it's almost like what we did with the book. We we must have read the book in the space at the time that we studied. We must have read it sort of I don't know four or five times and went, went through it. And it, it was almost like you interpret it differently. Uh, yeah. Certain parts of it, or, or if it's a, if you go to watch it being performed, how the, the actors or the whether it's coming from direction or not, that's how they interpret things. It sort of um, suited my kind of nature because if you're transferring that to to playing football in the way that I became later on and what I'm doing now is just I, I analysed everything the same way that we did with those books. Mm-hmm. And I, did, I think I, I did do it beforehand, but like I said, that the way he did it, it's, it's, that suited me. It gave you equipment to, to do it in a, in a more structured way? Yeah, I mean, the, the way, obviously the way that he did it was to, you know, it had method. But I mean, I don't know whether I've taken anything from that or not in the way that, in the way that he did it, but the fact that I analysed everything, to my detriment, and that has to be said, majority of the time, 
possibly not now that I'm doing what I'm doing. It's, it's probably it's, it's helped me a lot now. But that's why we came in here because that's why we came in at this buy-in point because you know my contention that I stick to is you know if you'd spent if you'd started off in reporting, writing journalism, communicating at an early age, you wouldn't have needed a football career because your skills stand out against. You know, guys who've been paid to do this all mm. all their lives. It's really, and it's not. It doesn't stand out because you know football. No, but I think what what has helped us is that what I do, and what I've done, and being able to write about that in a massive part of not just my life, but uh, football. I'm emotionally tied to football, mm-hmm. overly emotionally tied to football, and and I think that's. I, I feel that when I'm writing a piece and when I've finished it, I know whether it's a good piece or not because I've enjoyed writing it mm-hmm. I mean you, you, you'll know that yourself and, 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 I, and I find there's nothing worse than something that I'm not interested in that I've got to write about that I find it's so hard work that so me too me, me too I absolutely agree and for anybody who's not yet aware of David's skill I'm just going to dip into this now this is David's writing Ten minutes after the final whistle, we were both ushered into a small side room, commandeered by the drug testing authorities, presumably to test me for cannabis and mind-altering drugs, and him, Henrik Larsson, for steroids and beta blockers. Disappointingly, there wasn't a trace. And then there's another one. It's as gladiatorial as football gets, with any weakness being magnified and punished. I felt sorry for this scrawny little kid. All of that just gets me. Um, that's what, like, irrespective of it telling anecdotes from your life, that's what wit in football writing should be about. Before we even talk about analysis and deconstruction of the art of goalkeeping, as as you do so well, w- what were those two quotes about? Can you remember? The first one was uh, my debut against uh, against Celtic Aberdeen, and it was uh, myself and Henrik Larsson being taken into, uh, to to be drug tested. It, I mean, it, it was a strange day that simply because everything had happened so quickly. I came up two days before, signed the contract, mm. had one transition, then then played next day. When really I should have been playing against Halifax Town the day before for Darling. For Darlow. Yeah, and uh, the day before in training was the first time I thought this, this is a big jump because um, a man you know very well, Ian Jess. Great man. Yeah, just lives, lives out in Barcelona now. Does he now? He does. I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember watching him on the ball, and then uh, he was actually he was on my side, though, in this small side of the game. I'm just thinking, he's someone else. And it was, and, it, and not that, <laughs> by no means, that it was every other player of that standard, but it was, it was, I didn't know at the time, but it was preparing me for the next day, and then the next day when we played Celtic. When you have games like that, when there's, it, it almost seems like there's nothing you can do Mm. to change the course of the game. Mm. It's almost like being in a whirlwind mm. and everything's just happening around you. And whilst everything's... You're still still and it's almost like time stopped. Everything else is just swirling past you and like, like Saluba and Moravchik. And, I mean, there's, there's so much more to, to talk about that game, but... Then afterwards, we, well, well, including I, the fact that the, the, the boss, which you treated subsequently with good humour, had sold you a dummy on the what you penalty, should do... Yeah. Yeah, from the- and, and I don't know why because it, before the game but he must have said about three or four times about if they get a penalty he'll go down the middle if you get a penalty and then before I'm going out remember just stand and I'm like ah, okay then. so I did and he just he literally rolled the ball slowly to my, to my right hand side it's still a bit it, sore isn't it, it, it now it, it was, yeah it was bad enough that it was the fifth goal but it, it was uh, it was even worse that it was yeah up till then it, being the, it was the biggest point in my life mm-hmm. and then 
I mean, I don't blame him because it was, it, it was, we were losing 4 0. Jesse missed a penalty. Jesse did miss yeah. a penalty. And this is the Danish eccentric Ebi Skovdal, um, who is just a, a colourful chapter in our club's life that I'd <laughs> like to pass over quite quickly. Henrik had a little bit of fun with you in the, in the drug testing, didn't he? About um, you should try diving. Yeah, he says maybe, you should, maybe next time you should try diving. I was like, yeah, cheers, man. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But the other one was um, really, because uh, you went out to play, I'm not sure if you were at Silkeborg or Onse at this stage. But that little scrawny guy who looked like a 12-year-old or whatever, this was current Spurs darling, wasn't it? Yeah. Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen. And uh, it was Odense, yeah. Uh, he, he's quite frequently trained with us, but he, uh, he, he always played with the, the youth team. They never moved up into the B team, up the second team. But sort of when we were, you know, when we needed players to come in, and he was just absolutely unbelievable. He was tiny as well. I mean, he's not the biggest now. No. But he, he was tiny then. And just the, it, his maturity. You'd sit and talk to him in the sort of the canteen after, after training. And yeah, he was friendly enough, but everything was sort of very straightforward. He was very sort of. Um, there wasn't any real emotion in him. Not in a bad way, but he was just he was very measured, like, you know. 
but it's really mature for a kid. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember we were playing small sided games. It was one v ones. You play for like thirty seconds, and then the whistle would go. Then the next two would come on, and I think Jim, Jim Gemma must have been sent off the week before or two weeks before, so he was doing a bit extra. So it was Eric Jim Gemma against Christian Eriksson, and Christian just tore him apart. So normally, if you do a ten sets of thirty seconds, mm-hmm. you're not. They're normally very close. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, people would win by two or three. three two, two, yeah. two, it, was, two. it was double figures with Christian. Blink double out. figures. As as still a pretty young teenager against a guy who'd been signed for Manchester United and played internationally. Do you know what? I mean, it, he's ridiculed uh, over here. And of course, he, he, he wasn't up to the standards. It didn't, that, that, it didn't quite work. But no, from the neck down, brilliant player. <laughs> his mind's probably somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But strength of the ball, and that was his problem. He's so strong on the ball, he wanted a short. So he he would hold up the ball far too long, and then once two or three bodies got around him, he'd lose it. But he was he was a brilliant passer of the ball, and and for Odin to that year, who finished second, he was really important to them. And it might, people might say, oh, this Denmark, he's, that's his level, but he was a far better football than that if he'd if he put his mind to it. There's that analysis again. So I'm going to throw another quote at you. You may not know. I think you'd probably be guessing um, who it's from. But in building up to this interview, we really liked it because if I can do like a chapter heading now and kind of pause and stop, that I really want to emphasise that although it's patently clear that you had you know a good career and one that anybody would be envious of, it's taken you to a level where that analytical communicative skill that, that I admire a lot is making you beyond just an expert. I think you're you're doing something that I watched. I remember when, um, I, I, maybe I've told this before and I'm bad at retelling anecdotes, but I remember when I was close to Viali, Viali was sacked at Chelsea. And I was allowed to go round to his house to do the first big interview with him for the paper because we were friendly and he was furious. He, he was absolutely furious. He had been calling Hutchinson who'd done it and, and Luca wasn't used to failure and, you know, they'd won the, you know, they'd won the whatever, the UEFA Cup and they'd won the FA Cup mm. and the League Cup under him. And yet early into the season he was, he was pumped. I said, what now? And he said, I'm going to go to Italy. I'm going to do what Andy Gray's done for uh, football in Britain. Mm. I said, what do you... Uh, what, uh? He said, in our country, he said, all we do is, is crap on defenders, crap on referees. We only want the negative. He said, in this country... And I... I, I because we've grown used to watching Andy and because I'm, I'm not a particular Richard Keyes fan, never have been, I had allowed myself to forget about the importance of how they changed how we look at football, mm. the public I'm talking about, the journalists even, the terminology we use, how we think about it. So that's all that's all very good. He so said, I'm gonna take I'm gonna go over it and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I think the wave that began there has ended with I think we're quite lucky now across the analysis of football in that mm. the places where it's been deficient They've had to up the game because Sky and BT have shown a new way. Yeah, uh, I think that's really important. It is, but it's also down to people like yourself as well, who are most of the time more knowledgeable than the people that they that they were putting up at the time. Twitter's sort of taught me a, a lot. I think if you go back a long time ago, I always think that you know you get a lot of people who think, oh well, if you haven't played the game, you don't know it. What's Twitter shown is that there's so many much more knowledgeable people out there yeah. who. Yeah. They might not have played, but they've studied football. They've frightened me, some no. of them, because they are so quick, so intelligent. No, but they spend like, their time. But no, people like yourself, like, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. uh, I wouldn't get myself in that group, but I, I know exactly the people you mean. And, and it, I love it because it keeps me scared. Mm. It's like, if I'm earning a living for this, I don't just have to keep up with some ex-footballers that I see or hear. 
I have to beat these people whose whose analytical skills because they spend their spare time outside mm. the job just analysing, listening, thinking, and without ever having to publish and therefore without ever having to sensationalise or write a headline. Their ability to actually understand and explain is mm. very high. And I think with football, as I talked about emotion before, with football, sometimes it's, it's hard to analyse things without emotion or without mm. bias. Mm-hmm. And the, the bias from your own experiences, sometimes being analysing things from the from the outside, mm-hmm. it's obviously the best, you know, from another perspective. But yeah, I've just been massively impressed. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that, and I think it's healthy. But it's a, it's a symbiotic process in that. For some time, Sky, and then um, I think BBC Radio 5, um, latterly, and there are things on, on Talk Sport too, but definitely BT Sport, people began to say to ex-professionals of, of all colours and stripes mm. and ages, we need more from you than turning up and just saying what you see. Mm. Um, thought, planning, analysis, honesty, and so on and so forth. But there has been a, a, a desire for tactical analysis that I think began... With, with Andy Gray. Uh, obviously, there were people as good as him, but just maybe not doing it. Sky's mm. pushed that. Now, I think you are in the vanguard of, of, of a new sector because one thing, as we know, kind of escaped that era of analysis and explanation well. And therefore, I go, I go to this quote. It's a different profession on the pitch. No one can judge a different profession. How could I judge a nuclear engineer if I knew nothing about his specialty? We don't feel protected. We're vulnerable to those who don't understand what we do and influence public opinion. Nobody seems to understand, for example, that the most difficult things can be the things that others don't see. Speaking to a defender at the right time, that can mean that you don't concede a goal. I'll give you a clue in that... um, he won the World Cup in 2006. He captained Juventus in Italy for a long time. He's at Paris Saint-Germain right now, and it's not Neymar. So when Gigi Buffon talks about that, do you recognise the themes? Massively. And I think, oh, you mentioned, like, sort of the nuclear worker, but it's it's like, um, he's just trying to make a point. I mean, I retweeted that, and I got a lot of stick over it, and a lot of people saying, oh, he, he kicks he kicks a ball and catches it for a living, you know what I mean? And it's like, I can't it's, believe people yeah. are still saying that now. Yeah. That really frightens me. And uh, and, uh, and try to say that um, a manager can't coach different positions on the pitch, even though he's only played one position. It's not just saying that, but just saying that, uh, and I've, I've said it for a long time now, the narrative about goalkeeping has been allowed to be led by outfield goalkeepers. So that's why you, you have the myths about you should be beating at the near post, you know, the punchings are negative, that you should always catch. Uh, it's frustrating. And, and we to blame for that. Goalkeepers ourselves are blamed for that because it, it is... Say it's a union. It's not really... You know, of course not a union, but there is sort of like a, an unwillingness to, to be critical mm-hmm. because we know how difficult the job is. It's a difficult job in... Relative terms, do you know what I mean? So it's not being a nurse or a doctor or a fireman, do you know what I mean? No, but, granted. But, but in, in our sport, then, it, it, it is difficult and so much more nuanced than anybody has, has given it credit for in the past. It's not to say that it hasn't been taken seriously in the past because there's, there's if you look back at the history of goalkeeping, you look back into sort of like the way that Russia and Germany and places like that look at goalkeeping, the, the goalkeepers are venerated. Set Meyer, I grew up um, thinking, was literally unbeatable. Mm-hmm. You know, the most iconic World Cup uh, when I was growing up was 70. Uh, I, I re- remember my dad's reaction to 66, but I don't remember particularly. But Banks' save mm. is, a, is almost as iconic as Pelé's goals in that World Cup mm. and around the world, too. Yashin, I was told, was, again, I never saw him, but people would tell me, unbeatable. 
I wish I'd been able to, to see what his, uh, what his training was like. With some people in, in different sports, it, it kind of doesn't matter what era it was their time. I mean, the big thing for me was like this thing about the top hand and how it's supposed to be flashing. It's, it's, it's a huge thing for me. And I, I didn't I've, understand it. You ticked me off on it once, or at least corrected me, because I, I, not because of any received wisdom. If sometimes when I see keeper going fully extended to his left or right, quite high, and so which hand do I mean? Yeah, I kind of think that the lower arm, whichever way you're going, you should be waiting until the ball is kind of coming to you. And, and there feels like that the upper arm is shorter. I'm showing you as we speak, yeah, the, and I know I'm wrong. No, but there's, there's sort of an, there's a, there's an arc there. But it's not just about sort of like higher reach. That's, that's the minimum that you're getting from that. But also, because you're going across that side, this arm coming across creates a lot more momentum for, to, to push off. You. Brilliant, yeah. I looked at your, I'm going to cheat now because I've got an order of questions, but show me your hands. Not particularly big, But also, I mean, it's a, it's a symbol of the times. One of the most impactful things, I met Stepney um, oh, yeah. just after the, the Zidane uh, European Cup final at Hampden in like, 2002, it maybe was. It was socially in the area afterwards, his hands, like mm. two big cauliflowers because the ball was wet and hard. And, yeah. and I mean, they were deformed and cut and bruised and knobbly and... You don't particularly look as if you've. Been I, in apart, the apart from this, oh, I mean, I've broke every single one of them multiple times, especially my thumbs and my, obviously my. I got a plate in my wrist here. I mean, I've, injuries were a curse. You mean what you said? You've broken every finger. Oh, every everything. I mean, I mean, this here. There's nothing. There's no That's sort of right co- hand, middle finger. Do you know why I did that? Uh, I've, got, I've, got lump, no, man. I've got, well, I've got no cottage in the middle there, but Oof. I did that at half time at uh, East End Park. That's dumb for me, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And then, um, and it was, it was knackered. It was just sort of like, it was really badly sort of out of shape. And then uh, Peter Kerr decided to come off about 15 <laughs> minutes before the end of the game. Now to go on. We drew nil-nil, but um, yeah. He, he got injured in the first five minutes, decided just to play on and then came off in the last 15 minutes. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. At half-time at East End Park, you, yeah, were, the, you were the reserve. Just warm up. Just warm up. You see, I'm sneaky like this. Were you raking your boots over the opposition penalty area? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to do that quite a lot. Go on. Well, yeah. But yeah, so if it, it's probably, like I say, it's probably... Uh, Have you got Italian blood? Because I love... Me? This is, this is very... <laughs> this is very... Uh, it was, yeah, it was just that every time I was, um, I was on the bench, if I was warming up at half-time, and then if we were warming up in the half that the opposition were going to be playing in, Second half, the, yeah, where the, 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 the goalkeeper's going to be, yeah, I'll just go across the like six yard box and dig my heel into the. Uh, so it, it might take. And I don't know whether it ever worked. Whether it's looking for a nice little like, evil bounce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know it's. It's, it's definitely isn't a keeper's union. <laughs> <in that. laughs> no, no. You've just proven your yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I don't know. It was just competitive spirit is all. It yeah, is. exactly. Yeah. I, I'm all for it, man. I love it, but particularly if you're wearing our colours, you know. <laughs> so, um, but. Focusing again, uh, you immediately went into sh- showing a- an antidote to, the, to a lazy comment that people make about, probably just based on how maybe how a keeper mm. looks, or, or I don't know. One, why are you a keeper? Well, I mean, the, the, the reason why I, I, I always say is because my dad was a keeper. My dad was a centre-half till he was about 17. He was down at Derby and broke his leg, and then he, he just became a goalkeeper when he was 17. And then a pretty good sort of semi-pro keeper, mm. and but 
I remember as a keeper. So I don't. I've never had any uh, thought about being uh, anything else but a goalkeeper. Never thought about being because your dad. Yeah, that was it. It's the most natural thing in the world. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 